Let me bring in our hypnotist, Marshall Silver. It's uh, Marshall Silver, ladies and gentlemen, the world's fastest hypnotist. It is a solid day. I especially am excited about this number. 10,500 bucks up for grabs on 227. That is today. It is a phenomenal day. Excited to be with you. I'm Marshall Silver. You are totally loved. And if nobody's told you yet today, the world's a better place because you're here. Excited about today's show. You know, I just love people that love life. And uh, not only are we going to get to your calls on today's show. We're going to start taking your calls at Studio Money uh, forward slash info, excuse me, studiomoney.info forward slash live guests. And uh, you're going to have a chance to get on the air, potentially say the secret word and win $10,500. We like bringing great guests on. We had a phenomenal guest on yesterday. Uh, Russell Silver was talking all about real estate. On today's show, we've got another person from Las Vegas. Seems that Las Vegas is a hub of people that actually get stuff done. And I myself am extremely excited. I've been to Las Vegas since uh, 1994. Back in 1994, I had an idea, a single idea, and I executed on the idea. And within two months, I went from being $250,000 in the hole, below zero, to having $2 million liquid net in the bank. I remember at one point I was $200,000 in debt and the whole project was about to go belly up. <clears throat> and I was faced with a decision and the decision was let it go belly up, walk away, admit defeat, or put another $50,000 into it and see what could happen. Well, as they say, the rest is history. I went and borrowed an additional $50,000. I figured in for a penny, in for a pound, either I'm going to do this or I'm not. I put the additional $50,000 in, and as they say, the rest is history. What happened for me is uh, it went crazy. We ended up, we were spending over $500,000 a week on media, and during the time that we were uh, running the show, it was running in 40 countries simultaneously and just breaking all records. We knocked Tony Robbins off the air. We knocked the Psychic Friends Network off the air because we could spend so much on media, they just flat out couldn't compete. You know, one of the things that most people don't, one of the things most people don't stop and ponder, and, and let me know if our guest's in the studio. I know we just got him his link, so let me know if our guest's in the studio. Uh, one of the things that I don't think most people ponder is how extremely easy life can be when you put your ducks in their proper order. And what do I mean by putting your ducks in their proper order? Back in 1994, I had an idea. Like I said, it made me a couple million dollars in a couple of months. Ended up making $22 million net profit in the first year. And when it made that money in the first year, the uh, first thing I thought was, gosh, you know, what do you want to do? <laughs> what are your dreams? And it had always been my dream 
to open up my show in Las Vegas. So we instantly moved to Las Vegas and within one year was headlining on a major hotel in Las Vegas on the Strip. Not to mention that in California, if you make $22 million, you owe the state of California 13%. On top of your federal tax, you owe the California government 13% just for the honor of actually living in California. So I moved to Las Vegas, saved myself 13% of $22 million. With that amount of money, you can buy a place in Las Vegas. You can buy a home on the beach in San Diego. You can travel back and forth in a private jet and live the life that you want to live. That's all I'm saying. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm excited about today's guest for a lot of reasons. Uh, Dylan is not only just this remarkable human being. He's got a phenomenal energy. He's fun to be near. He's a brilliant guy, really smart man who has helped people make this transition to the digital age. We live in a time where terrestrial television, radio, and even print as we know it is not effective anymore. And the most effective forms of advertising are all digital. And nobody understands the digital landscape as well as this man. Please welcome to Marshall Silver Live, Dylan Venice. Dylan, welcome home, my brother. Glad you're What's up, man? Good to be here. You look good, always smiling. I love your energy. <laughs> you, you, you're I, famous uh, right now, correct? I, hey, I was just reading the chat. Some people said the volume is low. I don't know if we've corrected that yet, but I just wanted to give you the heads up. Uh, that looks like the audio dropped at some point a few minutes back. Um, are you on my audio there? So now your audio is good. Um, but uh, maybe uh, in the chat, uh, maybe they can type one if the, if the audio is working fine because I just want to make sure everyone can hear and see. But um, Marshall, good to see you. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure that audio was good. Yeah. No, I appreciate you watching on from my back. Right off, right, right immediately, you're taking care of me. So what a good man you are. <laughs> so Dylan, tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I just saw, I was looking on your social media. You just became a citizen in the uh, fall of last year. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm super stoked about that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. You're originally from Canada, correct? Yeah. I grew up in Canada, born and raised. I spent 20 some odd years there. And then, uh, you know, I met a girl and trickled my way down to the United States. Isn't that always the case, man? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I'm always about a girl. I'm super grateful though. You know, I ran business uh, when, from the time I was like 18 to like 23-ish in Canada. And uh, it's a lot harder to do business there. Something about like the economic climate, it's just, you know, there's a lot more taxation. Uh, United States, it's like, you can pretty much, if you're just, you know, doing good business, taking care of people, like you're gonna succeed uh, if you do it for long enough. And that's the great thing I love about this country. You know, so many people uh, are in similar circumstances in that they're in a place and they're going in two directions alternatively. They don't know what to do. They love their country. Um, I love Canada very, very much. Some of the kindest people in the world culturally. Canada is just a very kind place. But I would agree with you. You know, all the, the U.S. citizens that bitch and moan about our government being bad. Yeah, it's horrific. It is so bad. The Canadian government is worse. Trudeau <laughs> is, yeah, Trudeau is, he does not care about his people. He does not care about the citizens of Canada. You know, Biden certainly doesn't care about the citizens of the U.S., but uh, Trudeau has, has not cared for a while. And, you know, you said it, that the people that are willing to work hard, people that are willing to do whatever it takes to succeed should be rewarded. And so what I wanted to point out with you, you know, obviously the U.S. has a massive border crisis going on and it's by design. And then you take people like you who, uh, you know, young, working hard, you do what it takes, you go through the proper channels come into the U.S. or any country for that matter, you do what it takes, you become a citizen, and now you can thrive. 
So I want to just compliment you. I want to congratulate you. I want to say thanks for being such a stellar example for human beings. One of the reasons I like you so much is you're a major suck up. You are just a major suck up. And the first time we chatted, you, you paid me a huge compliment. And if you don't know my sense of humor uh, by now, that was a part of my sense of humor. You told me that you watched my webinar, Missing Peace to Millions, repeatedly, and you dissected it and you pulled out the persuasion stuff inside of it. True? Yeah. And, and since then, that that one training has made me over $20 million. Yay. Bravo, man. And, you know, when you and I were chatting, I, I said that webinar in that particular presentation, if anybody just watches it, not even from the point of view of wanting to buy what is in the webinar, just watching the webinar to see how it's structured, how it's laid out and how it goes through its process of selling a thousand dollar ticket, that in and of itself is a training. In fact, we use that webinar and I break down all the elements inside of a training I do called crushing it from the stage or screen. So tell me, what were some of the things, what are some of the things that as you do now, because you have an agency. And so why don't you let my audience know, you know, about your business, about who you serve and about what you do? Yeah, sure. I, I run an agency. It's called Mindful Agency. Uh, really, our ethos is just working with mindful personalities and mindful brands and helping them find their voice and share it with the world. So for us, you know, we've done a lot of pro bono work with the right people. And, you know, for people that are looking to blow their brand up, we're kind of like the go to agency in that aspect. Um, so I've been doing that for about seven years now. Uh, I've had through entrepreneurship, you know, several spinoff companies. I now have a, a software development agency called dopetech.com where we actually build apps for people. Um, you know, we have my, my education company where we teach people how to build successful marketing agencies called agencybox.com. So um, that's kind of like, you know, where I'm at and I make content. Um, you know, I have a podcast uh, just called my name and, you know, I love connecting with people just like you and, and kind of hearing also how people became successful. And, and what is it that drove you to this? Obviously, you, how old are you now? I'm 29. You're 29. And you've been in this business for how long? Uh, about seven years. So I started, what is it? that You could do anything, clearly. I mean, you got model good looks. What What is it that, that attracted you to working with agencies and software? Well, so uh, my first business, I don't know if, you know, even you know this, and I don't talk about it a whole lot. But I was, my first business was very, very weird. And I guarantee I'll be the first and last person ever to tell you what my first business was. Now, it wasn't selling drugs, uh, although that was, you know, my high school adventures. My first real business, I was selling a live animal called a sugar, a sugar glider. Have you ever heard of a sugar glider before? Are those those little tiny monkey, like, like, <laughs> uh, they look like squirrels almost? Yeah, yeah. They're effectively a flying squirrel. Uh, they have webbing from their arms to their legs. And so they can jump and jump basically like the, the length of a football field and, and glide. And they're tiny, right? They're small. Yeah. So uh, they fit in your pocket uh, right. and you can literally put them in your pocket and, and walk around with them. And so what we do is I, I built a whole team in, around this in Canada where we would literally travel from city to city, set up booths at conventions and, and fairs and, and pet shows and festivals and just educate people about the animals and in and, and sell them and so you know in my first uh year and a half i made over a million dollars in sales as like a 19 year old kid and i'm like what the heck like i just hit a gold mine so that was my first ever business and uh that led me to learning a lot about what i want and what i don't want in life and kind of the business i want to build and the business i don't want to build 
And I don't want to be living at a Motel 6 and is traveling the country in a broken down ambulance because uh, that was my life for about four years. Well, that's funny. And what are the creatures called? <clears throat> so they're called, they're called sugar gliders. Um, they're, when you train them the right way and you, and, and you bond with them properly, they'll live, they'll live about 12, 12 to 15 years. So almost as long, almost the same lifespan as a dog. And that's why people love them because people who maybe their house can't, they can't have a dog or they don't want to have a dog. Like this is a great alternative. Um, and so that's why people love them so much. Very cool. So yeah. you did that for a while and did you have any success doing that? Selling sugar gliders? Look, I mean, a 19 year old kid, uh, I remember one day after an uh, event we did, it was like a week long event. Um, we used to dress up like Crocodile Dundee, like, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the, the fishing shirt with the pockets and, uh, and cargo pants with these big pockets. And uh, a lot of the, the stuff, you know, imagine we're at like festivals and stuff. It's like a lot of cash. So I'm walking uh, in my cargo pants with these massive pockets on each side. And I've got like $45,000 in cash in my pockets. And like literally, you know, the only place that's open after we finish the work day uh, is like Denny's and IHOP. The bar. Yeah, exactly. so I'm, I'm sitting at Denny's at like 1130 at night with $45,000 in my cargo pant pocket. Literally there's like bills, like almost like protruding out. And I'm just like, oh, this is not the life that I wanna be living. <laughs> I'm probably the only person in this Denny's with $45,000 to their name, let alone on them. And so, yeah, you know, so that's when I kind uh, of went or, on ordering, a, ordering, ordering 80,000 grand slams. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's the thing, the sandwich, the grand slamage. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of, I just took a, I, I took about four, four months off of pretty much not working at all. Um, at, you know, after that, and I just like, what the heck do I want to do with my life? And, you know, I'm seeing courses and ads online and all this stuff. I'm like, there's gotta be a way to like turn eyeballs into dollars for me using the internet. And, um, that's when I was like, okay, like I, I know how to run social media. I could figure out how to run ads. So I kind of just like concocted this idea based on like the ads I'd seen and some YouTube videos where it's like, I bet I could find someone to pay me 3000 bucks and I'll go help them, uh, set up a funnel and run ads to it. Um, and so I, I just started doing that and I kind of found my niche in real estate marketing, oddly enough, where I would like work with real estate agents, apartment communities, home builders, and I'd run ads for them and build funnels. And um, that was like the first couple of years of my marketing journey where I was literally just helping local businesses, local real estate companies uh, do marketing. So not, I don't know if it's necessarily super interesting, but then in 2019, something happened. Uh, this dirty little word, I don't know if you've heard of it, it, it rhymes with COVID. And, um, <laughs> and you know, what happened is, is it really shut down so much. It actually proved to most companies that being online is not some kind of luxury, but it's a necessity. Right. And so just like, you know, this right now, like this broadcast, we, you know, go back four or five years ago, like, you know, it'd probably be a different, different world, less people maybe tuning in, or maybe we'd be doing it sitting in person, but all these local businesses got destroyed. You know, it's not realistic for, uh, for a mom and pop shop to overnight figure out how to run ads and build funnels. And so at that moment I realized, okay, there's something here, like businesses need help and they need it now. And so I created, um, my company agency box basically as a vehicle to train other people to go help these local businesses. Um, I was working with a gym at the time 
they were paying me like 3000 bucks a month. And uh, I, I went and Google, I was like, how many gyms are there in the US? And I realized there's over 115,000 gyms in the country. And I'm like, okay, if every single one of these was working with me, that'd be hundreds of millions of dollars a month. I can't handle that. So I started training other people through agency box to go out and work with these companies and help them optimize their online presence. So flash forward a few years, we've helped over 4,500 agencies that use our platform and, and, you know, have gone through our trainings. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I still run my own agency, mindful agency, and this is kind of, you know, where we're at now in 2024. What's the majority of the product type of the people that your clients serve? So you, you have agency box, obviously the software gets sold to agencies and then agencies go out to serve other people. Your yeah. initial service was, was real estate professionals and gyms. Yeah. And then you said, you know what, we're going to start serving the agencies that serve these people. Is there any kind of a vertical or a niche or a business type that more, uh, more agencies serve than others? So I'll tell you the most successful agency owners that uh, work with us, they, they're serving uh, business owners that, that have higher ticket services. So, you know, think of like cosmetic surgeons, even chiropractors work, um, you know, dentists, doctors, that's in the medical space. And then even local businesses like pool companies, HV, HVAC companies, um, really any local business with the exception of the thing that areas we see people not succeed in, like working with real estate or sorry, uh, restaurant companies. You know, if, uh, for example, there's a falafel shop uh, out here in Vegas, uh, you know, if you've ever had Flawful, there's a good chance you've been there. I walked in there, I met the owner and I asked him what he was doing for marketing. This is like early on when I was getting started. He's like, yeah, I'm running my own Google ads. Just last month, I spent about $13,000 on Google ads. And I was like, dude, this business should be a hundred times the size of what it is if you spent $13,000 a month on Google ads. But what's happening is every Falafel is five bucks you know, in order to make a return on that investment, he has to spend, he has to have a lot of customers come in to just to make break even on that. He has to have roughly two to 3000 people come in. So uh, anyways, we, we see a lot of people uh, succeeding in those higher, in those kind of those, those verticals that are higher ticket services. Very cool. So tell me a little bit about what your software does. Uh, so agency box as a software, uh, it's, it's kind of the backbone of agencies. So there's a lot of tools out there that people can use, uh, go high level, for example, is one of them to help kind of manage your clients, but there isn't really a perfect tool to, for an agency owner to manage their own business. So that's where agency box comes in. It's like the tool that as a marketing agency owner, I'd always dreamed of, right? I can manage my clients here. I can get leads. There's actually like a way to get, there's a, two tools in there for you to actually generate new prospects. Um, then once you kind of have the lead, you close them by managing them in the CRM, uh, then you can actually fulfill it. We have white label fulfillment services. Um, you're obviously familiar with white labeling, right? Of course. So, you know, just basically my services, I give them to other agency owners that they slot their logo on and they sell them as their own. So it's kind of like the full ecosystem of owning an agency where you don't really need any technical experience, but you can just come in and use all the services to, to get, you know, to build your business. I like you a lot. <clears throat> and, and when I like somebody um, and when they like me, I prefer to have really honest conversations. So I'm going to say something. I have no idea how you're going to respond. 
Okay. I think you're probably going to agree with me. Most agencies are questionable. They are suspicious. They are suspect. They are flat out, uh, in many instances, criminals that don't do anything. So my position as, as somebody that hires agencies and likes working with people, when you find somebody honest, when you find somebody that actually delivers results, they are they're a diamond. They are invaluable. They are a partner you want to keep around forever. What's your experience dealing with agencies? Do you, do you find that it, it's one of those problematic areas that, that again, you know, it's, it's e another problematic area, like being a magician. Anybody can walk into a magic shop and buy magic tricks. That doesn't make them a magician. It makes them somebody that can do tricks. Same thing with an agency. It doesn't, doesn't make somebody a good agency. It just means they can take your money. They can place your ads. doesn't mean you're going to get a result. What are your thoughts on that? And yeah, by the way, you know, I, I, just, I just threw a lot at you. <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess short answer is I agree with you, right? The, the truth is, is, is agency owners, there's a, a guy named Ty Lopez and, and he of came course. and created a program um, uh, where he taught people an SMMA, social media marketing agency. And he had so many, in fact, he's a phenomenal marketer. You know, he was able to sell the crap out of that program. <clears throat> but what's, what happens is when you have a 17-year-old kid learning how to close people on marketing services, but doesn't know how to get people actual results, um, it kind of created this wave of, of, of business owners getting burned by someone that's promising the world and can't deliver. <clears throat> um, now, it, it, that was seven, eight years ago. Now, if we look at what's happening now, there's this very interesting cycle, even as an agency owner, I see it, where a client comes on, this happens with every agency, I hear this with all my all the clients who come to me after being burned by someone else before, and they come to us and they're actually happy with the results we deliver, they, they say this, um, they go to an agency, the, they get assigned a senior account executive, the senior account executive uh, helps work with them, they get results for a couple months, Eventually, a new client comes on, a bigger, more important one, that senior account executive goes to work with that client, and then a junior account executive comes and slides in into this right. person's uh, you know, work. They, the results start to decline, and then they look and say, okay, well, uh, you know, as the client, they complain. The senior one comes in, sends some emails to make them feel better. They go back and forth. You know, maybe results go up for a week and then back down, and then eventually they, the results stop, and they have to leave and go work with a new company. That was a beautiful description of it, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it. I cannot tell you the number of times I have been on the phone with the principal of an agency. They've closed me, not giving me any kind of indication that they weren't actually going to manage my account. And then I get handed over to some sub manager and they handle the account just so that anybody that's an agency or any kind of a service provider, uh, just so you know, a guy like me who wants to spend money, knows I got to spend money to make money. I don't care if you hand me off to somebody else. What I do care about, though, is that you tell me and you tell me what your intentions are, because if you'll do that, it's not a shock and I'll be OK with it. I'll respect you. I'll say, hey, Dylan, you're a busy business guy. I can't imagine you. I can't you know, imagine you would manage my account for, you know, for this price at a premium. Maybe you'll take it on as a personal account, but I can't imagine you would do it you know, at the same rate everybody else is being charged. I'm cool with that. But I think that the biggest challenge for agencies and, and professionals in general is a lack of of clarity, a, a lack of transparency. Yeah, I think that's a big problem with a lot of businesses. You know, I believe that the definition of a good leader is someone who can disappoint people, but slowly enough to keep them happy the whole way. 
And so, you know, it, it, and I say that in jest, but the, the truth is, you is don't know, you don't actually, you're not saying that in jest, it's the truth. So you know, you're, course, you're Canadian. So you're so kind. You got to apologize. for telling I'm the so truth. sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, with you, for example, I know that your, 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 your programs and, and ways you work with people, it's like, you know, you, the, the more interaction they get with you, the higher the price goes up, right? Your time is valuable. You could be spending that hour, you know, going and, and spending it with your family or doing something to grow your business. But if you're going to dedicate this to work with a client, you're the, it's the, the, there has to be a fair compensation there, you know? People pay for access. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I think that when it comes to agencies, it's, it's all about managing expectations. Um, we changed something about three years ago that, that literally changed everything in my, in my agency. Uh, it was called, we send weekly updates, no matter what, even if there's no update or you're fired. And it's like, even if, hey, I don't have an update for you, but just want to let you know we're working on it. Clients appreciate that because the worst thing to do is you do all this work for someone but they don't know it's being done. There's no update or communication happening. And then they're like, well, what the heck? You know, you guys suck. And they're going to go, you know, write a bad review and and go off to the ether. So I think expectations and communication with this business or any business is critically important in order to actually make it, you know, make it a win long term. Tell me about your software. Tell me, obviously, uh, Agency Box is used by agencies. I approached you and the first thing I said was, do you white label? And then the second thing I said was, can you apply this software to other things. So you mentioned go high level. A lot of people use go high level, phenomenal software. Obviously a lot of people are using uh, on the marketing side of thing, click funnels. How, how does the agency box software uh, compare to go high level or click funnels? Uh, you know, click funnels and, and high level are amazing tools. Uh, I have to acknowledge, uh, you know, Russell Branson for creating click funnels. Uh, he really created, I think one of the best things you can do in, in, kind of business is create an industry. And Russell Brunson, a mad respect to him, he created the whole industry, funnel hacker, all this stuff. Now, what's so fascinating is if there's any marketers in the house, you know, obviously I know you understand this, when uh, they had not adapted for several years, for a long period of time. And well, I was using- and happy. What's that? Fat and happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fat and happy, right? Because the thing is, is they had uh, they had thousands of people. I think, you know, the number I heard was about $50 million in recurring revenue is what they had built up to at the peak. So they had thousands of customers paying their $100 a month plan. But what happens is, is you know, you can kind of coast that. They weren't innovating and developing. Go High Level came along. And as an agency owner, when I got shown Go High Level for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I put all my business into it uh, and all my clients onto it. And it's an amazing tool. And they've since, they've raised uh, tens of millions of dollars. You know, they've done a few different rounds. They're continuing to grow. And I don't think anyone, including ClickFunnels, has a chance to compete with them. Sorry, Russell, but ClickFunnels 2.0 was a big failure. And it, you know, I tried using it. I wanted to love ClickFunnels. I was super loyal to ClickFunnels. But the thing is, is I was wearing my funnel hacker shirt every day to the gym when I worked out, but you didn't innovate. And when you don't innovate, someone else who is innovating is going to leapfrog you and continue to crush. So with that being said, um, you know, for me, I don't look at let's compete with this company that's raised tens of millions of dollars. I don't look at, you know, let's create a funnel builder software. Simply our tool is a way to get more leads, manage your operations in your company 
and then fulfill your marketing services. Um, the evolution of this is we will go and, and work with all businesses. Right now, we've just focused on agencies, but as we've mastered it, we're going to expand. And, um, you know, I think that if we can help more businesses and go broad, um, it's, it's, you know, all the better. Yeah, of course. What, uh, you know, you watched Missing Piece to Millions video. Uh, you, you enjoyed the sales techniques that I utilize in there. You leveraged some of those and said, I'm going to use these. Uh, what are your thoughts on the distinction between remote learning, like we're doing right now, uh, digitally and live? What do you What do you think? Is there a difference? Is it the same? You know, should people what, bother your, to get together in person? What do you think about that? What's your philosophy on that? I teach a very specialized piece of knowledge. I teach subconscious reprogramming as the foundation of what I do. Part of subconscious reprogramming and and really effective people that are good at it is a an ability to have massive empathy. Obviously, it's one of the kill uh, the, the skill sets and key ingredients to a great marketer is being able to view the world from somebody else's eyes. So my experience, the best work that I do is always in person, bar none. But something like like marketing and something that is more pragmatic, um, in my opinion, uh, you, you don't need to be in person. You know, again, you take a look at somebody like a Gary Vee or a Ty Lopez, as you mentioned, or a Grant Cardone, and they have built their entire careers because they were smart enough to make the transition from terrestrial over to the digital realm and recognize that the digital realm is the place that, that we've moved to, to the point I, I just toured a TV station the other day that's up for sale. And the TV station that's up for sale was a thriving station a couple, you know, 15 years ago. Hmm. And now the building, it's not being used for anything. In fact, it's sitting kind of dormant and, and they're pretending to use it for tax reasons, but they're not really using it. And part of the reason they're not is, is again, I was on the Howard Stern show six times in person. And when COVID came, Stern put his studio in his house and now never leaves his house, does his complete radio show from his house. Robin will be at another location. The guests will be at another location. So here you got a major broadcaster like Howard Stern, who also realizes there's no real reason to be there in person if it's just this kind of delivery. If you're not doing anything that requires you know, surgery where I'm cutting a scalpel into somebody's body, or like in my work, subconscious surgery, then there's no real reason to be there in person. Not to mention the fact that it's, you know, it's a whole different set of the scalability questions and cost, you know, questions when it comes to doing business. Yeah. You, you know, the, I just opened up a podcast studio here in Las Vegas, um, uh, called origin studios. And, and for us, it was really a way for me to justify having a whole entire studio without having to, uh, you know, fork out a ton of money for it. Like, let me get clients in, let me have it kind of pay for itself. And if it turns into a profit center, even better. Um, but the truth is, is like, is, is I could do the same kind of content. I could set up a little, you know, a little room in my, in my house here and just make it, you know, make it a podcast studio. So everyone has that ability to do it now. And I think that the virtual, the way we're communicating right now is it's good. You know, it's, it's the best alternative to being in person. I still believe being in person is the best. But the fact that you and I can do this, we can have people, you know, chime in and even, you know, later call in and talk with you. It's like that, that just, it's not realistic for most people. Like 
imagine you doing this every single day where you had a guest come into your studio every single day and talk. It's just, you know, it's not really realistic. So we do this, even the largest news stations, Fox, uh, MSNBC, um, you know, uh, all the, all the fake news that's out there. They, they even do these, um, these interviews like this, right? They'll bring in a financial expert and they'll jump in on zoom. So, um, if you can get in person, go to an event, uh, you know, one of Marshall's events, one of you know my events, whatever that is, I do think that, that being in person at those is incredibly important, but at the end of the day, if you have to do stuff like this and learn virtually, you know, so be it. Talk to me about your live events. What kind of live events do you hold? When, where, how often? Uh, yeah, so we're, we're launching our, our first, we have our first one coming up. Um, it's called the Scale Your Offer event. Uh, it's coming up in, uh, I, I believe, three weeks here, two or three weeks. Um, uh, <laughs> I should know the dates on that. Um, it is, uh, uh, yeah, March 9th and 10th here in Las Vegas. And uh, it's a free event. You know, anyone can come. And what it is, is we're helping people uh, either who don't have an offer or a business to sell, we're helping them understand how to go from zero to one. And those who have an offer, we're helping you scale it and go from one to 10. Now, obviously, after 10, there's a whole bunch of additional things to get to 100 where you have a full-blown cash flowing machine. But the idea is, is I'm going to show you what I've done to have literally, you know, million-dollar days in my business and help uh, showcase the offer, the structure, you know, the way we sell what we do and the whole process to have, a you know, an online business that really prints money. Good. Where's your event being held? Uh, it's here in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, we... Uh, 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 TBD on the, the venue. Uh, we were going to do it at my studio, um, but now we have too many people coming. So we're going to have to, we're finding another venue for it right now. How many people are likely to be there? Uh, well, you know, on the registration side uh, and then the show, right? We'll see because it's a free event, but we've had over hundred people register so far and we have not promoted it at all. I didn't even send it to my email list. I haven't done any ads. I just made one Instagram post and uh, blasted out to my internal community. So, um, you know, we're, it's kind of our first, first, uh, shot at these events. I did one about a year and a half ago. Um, same deal. Didn't promote it at all. Got, you know, 35, 40 people there, um, at my office. And, uh, you know, you've done events for a long time. I've done a handful of events, but the goal is, is let's prove this one out initially, just having our kind of our internal ecosystem come, and then we'll do more of them and maybe even do a tour. Yeah. I am in Vegas the 4th through the 7th for an event called First Million. And then we have an event called Turning Point the 10th through the 12th, 10, 11, 12, or 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. At any rate, I'll be back there for day one if it's cool with you. I'd like to attend your event, see what you're doing, and and sure. uh, share that. And, and Lord knows I've got a lot of my viewers, uh, if, if they're invited and they're able to attend, certainly we got a substantial number of people that I, I believe would want to also attend. What do you think is the reason... Um, yeah, obviously apples to apples, some people succeed and some people do not. And particularly in the digital space, I think that, that too many times some, somebody asked me yesterday, they were asking about AI and they said, you know, how do I use AI to make money? And what I said to them is AI is simply an ampl amplification of your communication. That's all it is. It's a way to get something else to speak in your voice. And in this instance, obviously automation, I said, but it still comes down to what, what did you tell the automation to say? So it's the same thing with your software. The software alone cannot make anybody succeed. They've still got to do their job to make it happen. What's the number one thing missing? Uh, I'm a brand new person. I want to start an agency. 
What's the number one skill set I need to possess besides your amazing software? So uh, you kind of talked about AI and then skill sets as well. Um, just before I answer that, um, I did see uh, some people asking about registra- registering for that event. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know where this chat shows up. I pasted the link there. Someone just highlighted it. It's yeah. it's there inside the chat. Um, it's just uh, uh, for It's some long link. So we'll have my team fix that. But yeah, anyway, that's, so easy to, that's so easy to remember. <laughs> I know, right? You ever do a webinar? This happened to me uh, where I'm doing a training and then it's like, all right, now click the link to buy now. And it's like, it's some absurd long link. And I'm just like, guys, like, you know, let's just, let's get the join silver.com forward slash, you know, offer. Yes. Like, there you yeah. go. So, so, so look, I was asking you, what, what do you think is the number one, you know, skill set somebody needs to succeed? So, uh, I think that it's, it's so for, I'll just speak from my experience, right? The thing that's allowed me to succeed is I have this like kind of crazy perseverance. I've failed so many freaking times. You know, I remember, um, one of my, uh, uh, when I was selling the flying squirrels, uh, you know, almost a decade ago. I uh, spent all the money I had on this uh, this van, like a like a cargo van, so my team could travel. And I didn't get it inspected. I didn't know how to service it. And uh, the 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 car broke down uh, completely. The engine broke. You know, it's a ten thousand dollar repair. You might as well jump this thing off at a at a, at a dumpster. And so for me, uh, this uh, that I literally I was I got a call. I literally broke down. I'm not a Christian, but I was staying with some Christians at the time and I was holding a Bible at the time uh, that my friend, and I literally fell to my knees and just started crying. I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? And I'm holding this Bible. I open it up and I don't remember the exact proverb, but it was something about like, uh, about um, uh, perseverance. And I was, I just realized like, uh, you know, I just realized like we can do anything like failure is only a failure if you stop. So for me, you know, I push through that. Then something else happens and I push through that. And sooner or later, like these problems that come, they're so insert, they don't matter because they're so small relative to the greater thing. So a car breaking down now, for me, it's like, all right, like, you know, let's figure it out. Yep. You ever, you ever like, you know, uh, I, I know you're not, you're not dating and, and neither am I, but I remember, you know, earlier on when I'd be dating a girl, and, you know, she would hit me up and, and be blowing my phone up. It's like, I locked my keys in my car. Help me, help me. Like all this stuff. I'm like, you have not lived life. Like if this is what you're freaking out and your entire day is destroyed because you locked your keys in your car, like you need a reality check. See, the thing is, is once you've gone through stuff and you have this kind of this real perspective, like someone comes and says, I'm going to sue you. It's like, like, okay, like, you know, that, that would ruin my day. If some person, on, you know, on the street says that, that's, that happens in business. You're going to get that. And so I think you got to have really, you got to have grit and perseverance um, and just know that, you know, just got to, you know, push through. Um, so that's kind of like the, the, the mental side on the tactical side, you got to learn AI, um, get really good at prompting it. I've been using AI, like, you know, I don't really talk about it that much, but I use some form of AI literally every day. I've created artificially, uh, artificial, uh, 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 AI generated videos. I've created AI generated voices. I've used them in my marketing materials. I've been using probably every piece of copy that's been written since the last year and a half has been generated in some part through AI. So get really good at using it. Just use ChatGPT. It's the best one that exists right now. 
They have a video thing coming out soon. As soon as that comes out, start practicing and getting good at it. And just know and use AI. It's so important to really just to, to be on top of emerging technologies. Otherwise, AI, either learn how to use AI or someone who knows how to use AI is going to replace you. Good. That's good. What, uh, what is, uh, if I were to wave a magic wand over you and create some special skill set for you that you don't yet possess, what would it be? So like if I can have any skill set I, I, I can imagine now, are we talking like like real skill sets? Or are we talking things that, you know, imaginary skill sets? Yeah, we're not talking Marvel world. <laughs> Marvel I want to lift cars over my head. Yeah, no and, kidding. Uh, my kid and I were sitting in the spa the other day and we were talking about well, what three superpowers would you want? And mine were, I would love time travel. That was number one. Okay. I would love in, invisibility. And I uh, would love thought reading. So, so I, I like those. Now, when I play this game, I, when I talk with people about this, instead of saying, what would you like to have? I'd say, if we were living in a world where superpowers were real, what is the superpower that you would have? Like, what is the thing? And I think I know for you what it is. I'll let you answer. But I think there's thing is like, if, if we had a, a superpower, like in genuinely, like something we're amazing at, this is not fine tuned to be Marvel level. What would that actually be? So for you, what is that? Communication. What, what is it? Communication. Communication. Ironically. Okay. I was going to say, for <laughs> so. yeah, ironically, you can't understand me, but it's communication anyway. I have a friend of mine who yesterday said something to me. I've got a couple friends dealing with some pretty heavy stuff. One of them that's really going through a hard time. And she, you know, she frames things in a certain way in her head that won't ever let her win. And we all deal with stuff. And my friend, other friend said yesterday, said, you know, Marshall, one of your skill sets, no matter what happens in your life, you find it right. You, you say, okay, it's what we're dealing with. What's good about this? The plane's delayed. Who am I supposed to meet? Fired from the job. Well, I didn't like the job anyway. You know, mm-hmm. your, your ex-wife, your wife's divorcing you. Well, you know what? I don't want to be married to somebody that doesn't want to be married to me. It's all good stuff. And so mm-hmm. for me, the ability to both communicate internally which is called reframing, changing the reference or the point or the meaning of things. And then externally to the outside world, to be able to communicate that frame in such a way that other people also say, oh, I get it. This too shall pass. I don't really need to be stressed out about locking my keys in my car because it's not going to open my car. And I really don't need to go stress out my boyfriend because if I stress out my boyfriend, guess what? He'll never be my husband. And, And, you know, I don't think people think about those things. Right now, we have a world in chaos. We have people here in the U.S. screaming about keeping the borders open, not realizing that the good citizens come in like yourself. They come in legally. They do what they need to do to not look over their shoulder. They don't come in illegal. There's nothing good from illegal immigration. Nothing. But people aren't thinking. And, and you know, you've got people saying, oh, we've got to be humanitarians. They got no place to go. Well, their cousins had no place to go either, but they came in legally. So the bottom line is, you know, I, I don't think people. Uh, think. I, I think that we've become a society where people kind of go with the flow and whatever happens is what they believe is, you know, going to happen anyway, not realizing how much power they have. What do you suppose? You have siblings? Yeah, I have one older sister. Uh, what does she do for a living? She's a naturopath, actually. So she helps people uh, through natural and, and you know, ancient, uh, you know, uh, Chinese uh, homeopathy and, and other forms that's not just take this medicine and prescription. 
Yeah, I have a witch doctor too for our family. Because <laughs> that's uh, what it is. That's funny. Yeah, you know, when she, so her dream was to go to uh, med school and she got declined from every med school she applied to. So she's like, what the heck? And she had good grades. She said, what the heck am I going to do? And there was a, my dad's a dentist, you know, in fact, his dad was a dentist. I'm the black sheep. I was supposed to take over the family dental business and obviously didn't. But in my same, in my dad's same medical complex, there was a naturopath that was like, you know, next, next door to his office. And uh, she, my sister stumbled into her and chatted her for, chatted for her for a day and was like, this is awesome. And so she's like, she went and applied for a uh, naturopathic school. Literally the exact same day she got applied for, uh, got accepted for naturopath school, her dream med school called back and said, hey, there's been a mistake, you've been accepted. And so now she got faced with the challenge, obviously, you know, how it ended up, which path do I go? And uh, as soon as she chose naturopath, uh, uh, naturopathic school, our whole family called her a witch doctor. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we have a witch doctor. She's actually an MD, but she, oh. my wife goes there and my wife comes back with, bottle filled with potion and little sprays <laughs> and you know she salt she's in vegas she's phenomenal uh what's her name her name i don't know what her last name is she goes by dr sid okay i love a, i and love a connect if if she's someone that you i'll connect because this woman's great and and i'm not one for salt rocks or, or new agey kind of stuff but i subscribe very much to the supplements that she gives and the potions that she has my wife take so that she can give them to me. So I, I subscribe to that very, very much and always am looking for the, you know, the natural path toward things. I, I quit drinking alcohol last July and your body goes through a lot of changes, especially my body, because I drink my alcohol. I drink your alcohol. I drink everybody else's alcohol. I, I drink more than my share. And so when I stopped for about a month, I had these ridiculous sugar cravings and it was just because I was replacing the sugars. And so she gave me some potion and I started drinking it and it wasn't sugar, but it balanced my body out so that I wasn't eating, you know, a gallon of ice cream or, or 15 million crumble cookies. So, <laughs> you know, I have a video on my Instagram where I talked about uh, crumble cookies and, and it went, it went pretty viral, but you know, I also quit drinking. I, crumble cookies, dude. I, I, I quit drinking in, um, in November. And, uh, you know, for me and, and I got, I'm, I'm not an addictive person, but I got to the point where I was cracking a beer by myself after a long day. Ah, and, uh, it's just, what am I doing with my life? So I set certain income targets. I said, I'm not going to drink until I hit these income targets, which, you know, I haven't hit yet, but I probably, once I hit them, I probably, you know, maybe I'll celebrate with a glass of champagne and then back to work the next day. You know? Yeah. You won't care. You, you, yeah. you won't care. And, my experience has been from anybody that has stopped drinking by choice is I just watched an interview with Bradley Cooper and he was talking about him not drinking alcohol anymore. Anybody that has stopped by choice, not by uh, ultimate, you know, they, they're going to stop drinking or die. I, I cannot describe to people how much better I feel. And I, I enjoyed, I, I admit it. I enjoyed my tequila. I enjoyed my rum and I loved my very fine white burgundies. But it's just the distinction of how my body feels every day now. It's night and day. It, there's no comparison. And I, you know, I've, I've contemplated and pondered because there are certain things like sugar is a good example and alcohol that I believe are specifically designed to numb us to the point where we will be easily managed. And I, I think that that's why the sugar industry is substantially uh there's a substantial amount of mo money coming from the government that subsidized sugar and candy 
and alcohol. People don't understand the subsidization of things are what causes people to actually do things. Vegas, no, nobody's heading to Vegas where you live, where I live. Nobody's heading to Vegas if somebody tells them it is guaranteed sooner or later you will lose in the casinos. Guaranteed. And nobody wants to know that, even though on a subconscious level, we all know that. We all know that the casinos aren't built by winners. They're built on losers. We all know alcohol is bad for us. We all know that smoking damages our lungs. No good benefit to it whatsoever. Yet people stay inside of those bad habits. So in the last portion of what we're talking about, number one, um, I would thank you so much for inviting my viewers to your event. A, a number of them will take you up on it. Our, our viewers are extremely hungry for knowledge and information. And I can tell already by their comments that they've enjoyed your company. Uh, going forward, where do you see your business headed? You mentioned billion dollar business. Where, where do you see it heading? Do you, do you see uh, you adapting the agency box software and, and making it more useful to people that are not agencies or what are you thinking? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I think that one thing you said, which was uh, we were talking about superpowers and how your, your communicate your yours is communication. And you talked about reframing and that's something that's been so powerful for me in my life is I, I realized, um, I read a book, uh, called, um, extreme ownership by Jocko Willink, where he talks about, you need to own everything in your life, good, bad, ugly. And so I made this decision. I'm like, okay, everything in my life is my responsibility. Maybe it's not my fault. Maybe it's not my fault that, that, you know, one of my employees crashed a car into a wall, but it's my responsibility to deal with it. It's my responsibility to make sure that car is insured. And so for me, I, I know that our words, the things we speak is the first manifestation of our, of our thoughts and ideas into reality. Right. And then we put them on paper, you know, our goals, for example, and then, you know, we visualize in, you know, there, there's, you know, there's some woo woo stuff and then there's some wow wow stuff too, that actually works. But the thing is, is, is that's, uh, I'm very cautious of what I say and I'm very cautious of, uh, that knowing that what I speak is, uh, is, is creating. So for me, I, I, there's things I've done and changed in my life. And I know that my business has, is a reflection of that. And so for me, really the future, like my vision is I, I, what my dream is, is I, it's probably, I could probably stop everything, sell everything tomorrow and make this happen. Uh, I don't know why, maybe I should, but uh, my dream where I, I want to go is just having a, a retreat center. I just want to have a sick piece of land with uh, on a lake where we can have jet skis and boats and wake surfing and, and uh, we can have ATVs and all these fun toys where we can explore and have fun. Uh, you know, rope swings and all that, and then come back and we can, you know, grow and, and hold masterminds there and events. And really for me, that's, that's, the, that's my vision. My dream is having a place to, I love hosting parties, a place to host people and help people grow. So whether it's in my current company or something that changes in the future, that's really what I'm creating. You're going to love my Vegas home. It's 17,000 square feet, sits on an acre and a half. We've got a putting green. We've got a skateboard park there. We've got a full purple tennis court. We've got a half basketball court. We've got 120,000 gallon swimming pool, diving rocks, water slides, cold plunge, red, red light sauna, uh, spa, so much more. Because I believe the same thing. And I, I often tell people the key to your life is to figure out how to live your life so it naturally produces the results you're seeking. In other words, you don't want to force yourself to be somebody different. You want to live your life naturally. If, if I want to have a stellar body, 
then what I need to do is not lose the fat. What I need to do is change my lifestyle. So my lifestyle gives me a stellar body. You know, I, I, uh, one of the byproducts that I believe, and I, I didn't even notice it and I couldn't tell you what it is. I asked my kids the other day, am I different now that I don't drink? And I was never a mean drunk. I never considered myself an alcoholic. I, I just drank really, really, really well. I grew up in Michigan. It's cold there. And there's a reason for drinking. And at the same time, um, my kids, when I said, am I different? They said, yes, you're nicer. I said, really? They said, I said, what do you mean I'm nicer? I was never mean as a drunk. They said, you weren't mean, but you weren't the same. <laughs> and so again, you know, it's those subtleties. We don't know what we're doing. And now, uh, because I, I obviously, uh, this show to me is that voice to speak into somebody's ear and, and say something that will help their day be better. Just watched the video and it was this black guy and he was attempting to read from his phone. He said, forgive me, I don't mean to cry. The message that he was reading though was, you know, don't yell at your kids when they go to bed. They won't sleep well. All they'll think about is you yelling at them. Don't yell at them in the morning when they get ready to go to school because, you know, they're going to go to school. And they're going to have all this, this anger inside of them that you put on them because you yelled at them no matter what they did. He said, you are the voice that rings in their ear, rages in their head all day long. Make sure that voice is something that, that builds them up. And, and I, when, I, when I watched the video, I thought, yeah, as a parent, times a billion. As a person, though, you know, as we interact with each other, that's the key that I think most people aren't paying attention to is that, again, you and I are going to be fast friends. We're going to know each other for a long time. We're going to have a lot of fun together and support each other. You don't know what impact you have on somebody else's life. And so, you know, it's kind of like you, when, when you saw uh, the ClickFunnels software or you saw the Go High Level software, you said, oh, my gosh. And your brain immediately filled in the blanks and said, this is going to be my future. You mentioned at the top of the call, you've made over $20 million doing what you do. You're 29 years old. You're, you're knocking it out of the park. What's, uh, what's, the, what's the big dream for you? What's the big plan? Yeah, I, I love helping people. I love supporting people, whatever I can do to make that happen. You know, you talked uh, at the start of this show and also kind of just a few moments ago about immigration and and, and the, the border stuff. And there's, you know, there's so much, there's so much happening outside of our control. And, you know, I pull up Twitter or my, you know, whatever it is. And, and I just, I'm just, we're inundated with this, this, toxic stuff and it's like you know yeah. there's a certain like i agree with you like the immigration stuff is an absolute nightmare and we should not be supporting people coming through saying you know seeking i don't know if you like if you're not they're not see, they're not seeking asylum that's a lie no they're not and if you look they're into not, it no, too, they're, they're criminals in fact other countries have said we're sent venezuela said we're sending you people from our prisons do not send them back so so again Forgive me for interrupting, but I'm passionate about people that do the right thing in the right way. Yeah, you know the the thing is 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 at, at the at the border, um, there's these these camps, right, where people go and they're basically uh, they're basically in these camps, um, uh, like a holding camp before they get sent out or interviewed. There's people handing papers there, telling them what to say to border the border patrol during their interview. You have to say you're scared to go back to your home country. You have to say you're seeking asylum. You say this, say that. So they're all coming in with these narratives. And, and you know, like you said, the people sitting here now, for what reason? You know, we can go down a whole rabbit hole of why. But the point, the point of it is like, okay, 
this is happening outside of our world, right? This is happening outside of my bubble. Do I want to allow it into my bubble or, or, or for how much do I want to allow it into my bubble? You know, let, let me keep my bubble up. This is my bubble. I'll operate the best I can within my bubble and I will observe the stuff outside the bubble, but it doesn't penetrate me and allow it and affect my life. And I think that's the best way to, I live by. And I try to operate every single day with that exact mentality in mind. Yep. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. If we take a look at the world and the chaos that's going on, it can certainly be overwhelming. And I think the biggest skill set somebody can have is once again, keep it in perspective. This too shall pass. Yeah, you couldn't get into your car because you locked the keys in. What you don't know is God was protecting you from a blowout on the freeway that was going to put you in harm's way and uh, kill you. So, you know, be thankful, be grateful. Hey, uh, before we wrap up, uh, I'd like to put the uh, web address for your event back on the screen. So, producer Tom, if you could do that, put Dylan's web address for his event back on the screen and uh, invite people to there. I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm back in uh, Vegas on Sunday the 3rd, and I'm looking forward to being there. I've got, like I said, a four-day event going on, but I'm very excited to uh, meet you and, and, and uh, get to know you better. Our rosroas.io forward slash registration dash page dash page. We don't know why it's dash page dash page. Maybe someone named Page just put it together. Or if you want to just get more information on Dylan, go to his website, dylanbanis.com. Hey, brother, you're loved. You're amazing. Great to have you on the show. And I appreciate you taking time. I know it was short notice. We just met and you dove in and said, yeah, Marshall, I'll be on your show. And, and I'm looking forward to checking out your studio when I get back to Vegas. Amazing. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. You take care. Hey, I'm very excited. Uh, yesterday, as we always do, we uh, had a number of people on the show and we took our callers, our guests into yesterday's show. And let's see, who did we have on the show? We had uh, Eloise, Dr. Eloise Chambers. You are the winner of 10 ounces of pure silver from yesterday's show. Eloise Chambers, you are the winner of 10 ounces of silver. Congratulations. She did it honestly. She did it without any suspicious behavior. And uh, she made, made, made the win a victory. Hey, if you'd like to win some money and potentially 10 ounces of pure silver yourself. And at this point, I have given away 130 ounces of pure silver. All you got to do, go to Studio Money dot info forward slash live guest. And uh, when you go to that uh, address, you will be able to get on the air. Uh, you know, as the show's going on and we're seeing how everything flows, we're getting about two to four people per day on the show. That's about all that I have time to put on the show. And the pot keeps growing. It is 10,500 bucks today to say the secret word. I have given you plenty of clues. I believe somebody may get it today. I've given a lot of clues today. Somebody may get it today. So uh, just get on the air, engage me in conversation, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, today, I have a sense that we'll probably only get to a couple of calls. So make sure you call in, get on the air, and pose. Uh, we're going to take a break. And uh, right before we start taking calls, uh, I'm going to give away tickets. As I said yesterday, I'm going to give you two tickets to Turning Point worth $3,000 a piece when you get on the air with me, whether you win the silver in the cash or not. And I also may, just may, surprise somebody uh, with a single free ticket to our first million irresistible influence event coming up in Vegas, March 4 through 7. And then Turning Point is right after that. I need to double check Turning Point dates. 
Uh, turning point dates in March are the 11th through the 13th, like I, I thought. So uh, love to have you on the show. Going to take a short break. Going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart right now. And then we're going to dive in. So in the meantime, we're going to head over to the vault where I can talk about anything without getting banned from social media. Uh, we're going to stay on other streams today, but starting next week, we will immediately leave uh, the other platforms to be sure I don't get banned by talking about what's actually on my mind. And you can get a permanent free membership so that you're always in running for the money, always able to get on the air by going to uh, studiomoney.info forward slash the vault. Video of Turning Point, video of First Million, enter the vault. I'll see you on the other side. Turning Point, a total change in direction for the better. Who here is ready for a turning point? You absolutely have to have one. Put a I. The two-day Turning Point seminar is different than any other program in that it does more than just teach you the skills for your relationships, wealth, and power. It also programs you on a subconscious level to put those skills into immediate use. This weekend is about empowerment. This weekend is about you understanding how to take charge of your own life. You will learn total control of your thoughts and emotions how to use PND or psychoneural duplication to take on the thoughts and actions of others to produce similar results. Whether it's losing weight, changing habits, being a millionaire. When you think what a millionaire thinks and you do what a millionaire does, you'll produce similar results. You will learn to program these powerful tools at a subconscious level for immediate and lasting results. Your conscious mind is what's called your critical factor. It's the mind you're using right now to determine whether the information I'm giving to you will work for you or not. Your subconscious mind, on the other hand, is merely a computer. It's non-critical. It doesn't even have the ability to make judgment. So all trance, hypnosis, reprogramming is, is setting aside the critical factor of your conscious mind and non-critically accepting suggestions. And empowering. To make a fear vanish, you must experience it fully as it helps you create your life exactly the way you want it. Bring your family closer. Find the love of your life. Create strategies for wealth. Learn irresistible influence and so much more. Because of the intimate nature of this course, seats are very limited. Register now before your life passes you by and there are no more turning points for you. Tens of thousands of people have learned this information and are using it daily. You don't get angry if you get fired from your job and you know that within two years you will be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. It's your time. There's a way for you to win this game that is different than how you're doing it. And it works. It's your life. When you learn how to do that, you become more powerful and power is for use. It's your turning point. Isn't it time for your first million? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to do what you love and learn how to monetize that on a seven-figure level? Do you want to know exactly what you need to do and what not to do to have your biggest year ever? If not now, when? First Million, a two-day subconscious learning experience that both teaches and programs you with the personality traits and habits of multimillionaires. 
at First Million, you'll learn how to take almost any wealth vehicle to a seven-figure level or better. You'll learn how to stop using vehicles that don't work, are too difficult, or simply unsuited for you. Making money is supposed to be fun. Stop living your life, getting ready to live your life, and start living a life of adventure. First Million was crafted to not just change what you do, it's also going to change who you are. Instead of trying to become a millionaire, you'll learn that you're already a millionaire, even if the money has not yet been deposited in your bank account. Beyond mindsets, you'll learn the actual personality traits of multimillionaires, so you'll naturally do what millionaires do to produce a similar result. One of the key personality traits of a millionaire is charisma. Imagine being able to walk into a room and without speaking a word, have the entire room drawn to you. Imagine others hanging on your every word, wanting to be near you, to be in business with you, and hungry to buy whatever you're selling. First Million will teach you how to use the charisma that politicians, entertainers, CEOs, and celebrities use to move nations and make millions. You'll also learn how to get more done in less time. You'll learn priority management and what the highest and best use of your time is. You'll learn laser-like focus upon IGAs or income generating activities and you'll learn to let go of anything below your pay grade. What if you had more customers than you ever imagined? What if they came right to you and fought to buy from you? At First Million, you'll learn attraction marketing and strategies to get others to pay you for your marketing and advertising before they even purchase your offer. When you attend your First Million, you'll begin to see an overwhelming amount of amazing opportunities all around you. You'll look through the matrix and easily identify target-rich environments. You'll learn dovetailing and stacking strategies to acquire more customers and do more business with the customers you already have. Unless something is sold, no money is made. Whether you're a sales pro, a novice, or even scared to death of selling something, your first million is going to have you fall in love with influence and enjoy it as the game that it is. When you believe in what you're selling, you're obligated to sell it. You'll learn exact language patterns of influence and persuasion. You'll learn how to get others to ask you for what you're selling and have them believe it was their idea. You'll become dynamically able to use arcing statements, direct links, embedded commands, and so much more. An entire tool belt of selling gambits will be yours after you get to your first million. As a first million alumni, you will be clear on what you need to do to GTFM or get the freaking money. You deserve great wealth and your first million will help to raise your self-esteem around the topic of money. The amount of money you make will always be determined by your own self-image. You'll learn what billion dollar corporations already know about outsourcing, how to get anything below your pay grade done for pennies on the dollar. Your first million will give you the groundwork to understand presentation skills and the highest paid profession on the planet, public speaking. When you graduate from your first million, you'll be able to create presentations that inspire with confidence and power. If all that weren't enough, there's so much more. Making your first million is almost certainly going to require that you manage at least a small team. 
You'll walk out of the course with the knowledge of how to lead teams and synergistically get more done in less time. Technology has made our lives so much easier as we've learned how to harness it. The First Million course will teach you what is up-to-date and available in technology so that you can use that cutting-edge technology to get more done and have more fun. You'll also learn how to harness the power of the Internet for massive, passive profits. Every time you attend your First Million, you'll learn new technology and Internet marketing strategies as these two portions of the class change every time you attend. It's like getting a brand new seminar each time you come. If you're a representative, you may attend your first million as often as you like, totally free, with your enrollment in the first million course. If you're not yet a rep, or if you have not yet invested in your first million, enroll now. Everything begins in thought, and you know what you want to say. Go ahead, say it now. Say it out loud. I'm ready for my first million. I um I'm sad today. I know this is not the normal motivational show that I do here. I'm sad. Yesterday um I had a, a very close person in my life that that repeatedly was saying I don't want to be here anymore. And that was hard enough. I don't know about anybody else. I've gone through times in my life where it was just hard, so hard. I remember there was one point in my life where I was going through a divorce. I was married 11 months and uh, the divorce was taken four and a half years for all sorts of complicated reasons, mostly to do with money, mostly that the ex didn't, didn't, want, didn't want to settle and wanted to draw it out as much as they could to get as much money as they could. So the, the marriage of 11 months was taken four and a half years. That was bad enough. I was getting attacked by the government and I was being threatened with 27 years in prison for something I hadn't done. Um, be very certain in this country, in the world in general, in this country, for sure, you are guilty until proven innocent. Do not think otherwise. I was dating the girlfriend from hell who was cheating on me and was stealing money right off my dresser when I would get up to go for my run every single morning and i didn't break up with the girl because i my self-esteem was so low at the time that i thought that if i couldn't make this person that is a thief and a cheater love me then how can i make anybody love me and i sat on my front step in the morning 6 a.m i would drink my latte my general manager would come and i would cry on her shoulder i would lament the attacks and all that was going on well, come to find out that the general manager was embezzling over a million dollars from me. And the only reason she got away from it, was, got away with it, was that she was pretending to be my best friend. All that stuff going on. And it was just overwhelming. And I remember there was a period for about maybe 45 days that every night when I would go to bed, I would wake up. I would go to bed and at night I would pray to God, God, take me in, the, in my sleep. Take me while I'm sleeping. I, there's, you know, take me painlessly. Just take me. Um, and then when I didn't die, I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing out of my mouth would be bang, because I was so upset that God hadn't taken me overnight. 
I was unwilling to commit suicide because you, you, there were people that counted on me. And I knew that if I took my own life, number one, probably wouldn't end up in heaven. But number two, there were too many people that were dealing with things that I believe if, uh, if I said, you know, if I passed, they would say, well, if Marshall Silver couldn't handle it, then how can I be expected to handle it? And so I didn't commit suicide and I got through it and it was tough. And now I look back on that whole period of my life and obviously my life is blessed. I have the best wife in the world. I have the best kids ever. I have phenomenal health. Thank you, God. I live a life most people don't even dare to imagine. And my life is massively blessed. And I uh, am very, 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 very grateful for that. Yesterday, somebody that I love very much was dealing with all that angst and all the stuff that comes up from time to time in people's lives. That was challenging enough. Here's the reason that I'm almost in tears today. And I'm going to do my best not to cry today. Yesterday, a dear friend of mine for over 25 years, very close friend of mine, I helped him lose over 200 pounds. Um, always somebody that was always kind and always present and always really amazing. My wife called me in the midst of this other person that I love very much, clearly <laughs> contemplating suicide. My wife called me and she said, uh, Dean Landau has died. Dean Landau was my friend. And he, um, in the past few years, would travel a lot. And I saw some pictures over the past few days of him down in French Polynesia, Bali, Tahiti, and uh, that area. And the pictures were coming back, and he looked so good, amazing, happy, and healthy, and good. And so when Erica told me that Dean had died, I said, what happened? And she said, he got an infection. He uh, took an over-the-counter medication that exasperated the infection, and he died this morning. We don't know how much time we get. We don't know how much time the people that we love get. And yesterday I spent a lot of time reflecting on that. And I spent a lot of time praying about that. And again, I don't mean to be a downer here. There's somebody that needs to hear this message today. And so I'm gonna continue, even at the risk of losing you. It got me thinking about, we don't know when the last time of anything is. I was with my kids in the car the other day and we were laughing that we used to go to racquetball every single morning because the kids were young. We would put the kids in childcare while Eric and I went and played racquetball then we'd come back and get the kids. And so as the kids were getting into the back of the minivan, mom would be back there helping them get, get strapped in and get buckled in. And, and I would every day, cause I love my wife so much and she's so freaking hot. Every day that she was helping the kids get strapped into their car seats, she'd be wearing her Lululemon shorts and I would take a picture over my shoulder of my wife's perfect butt. And yesterday we were joking about it. And then my wife kind of got sad. She said, I kind of miss clipping you into your car seats. I kind of miss buckling you in. I'd be in, be in that mom for you. You don't know when the last time you're going to hug somebody is. You don't know the last time you're going to be able to tell somebody you love them. I wish I had told Dean one more time. You don't know. You don't know. The last time you're going to visit a particular restaurant and your friend who's had that shop for decades, you don't know that they're struggling or they're going through personal challenge. And tomorrow they're going to shut their shop down, the restaurant down, because they just can't take it anymore. You don't know. And so for all of you watching the show right now, 
I really, that's what I want this show to be. I want it to be a community. I want it to be a message. I want it to be the voice of reason in a ridiculously unreasonable world, a, a world that is out of control. It is crazy. It is not sane on any level. We've got boys thinking they're girls, girls thinking they're boys. Our own government is sending billions of dollars to other countries to protect other countries when our own country is going to crap. We've got veterans and homeless people here in the United States that are hardworking citizens, legal citizens of the United States that are not being cared for while we're caring for people that are coming here illegally. A large number of them criminals, a large number of them uh, being kicked out of their own countries because their own countries don't want them. And we've got so much chaos going on. I want this show to be a voice of reason. I want this show to be a place where you can come to and at least for a couple hours a day, you'll have somebody remind you that we're in this together, that we can make it happen together. So today I'm going to do something I've not done. This is show number 12 of Marshall Silver Live. I dedicate this show to my friend, Dean Landau, and the incredible kindness that he was and the light he was in the world. And I challenge the rest of you watching the show. I challenge you. I challenge you to be the person somebody else looks back on and says they were kind. They were kind. It means everything, doesn't it? You don't know. If, I, I was in a business meeting a while back, and please forgive me. I'm, I'm probably destroying my career right now. I remember years ago, I um, was in a business meeting. And one of the other people in the business meeting, there were there was myself, my team, and then the other people had half a dozen people on their team. And one of the people, every time I'd say anything, would shoot it down, would find some negative uh, thing to focus on, give me. And and it, it, got, it got to the point where it was obnoxious. It was clear the person, just anything I said, they were going to say something negative. So at the very end of the meeting, everybody got up to leave, and I'm a hugger. I reached out to start hugging people, and I reached out to hug this particular person, even though they'd been nothing but grief during the entire meeting, I gave him a hug. And when I hugged him, he said, well, I'm not really into hugs. And when he went to hug me, his arms went tight against his body. He started to look kind of like a, a T-Rex. And when I hugged him, his body started shaking. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. And I said, are you okay? And he was like either going through a panic attack or something was happening. And he started crying. And I said, what is wrong? He said, I don't I don't really, uh, I don't really hug. And I, I, I don't remember the last time I've gotten a hug from anybody. He said, I don't remember the last time I've touched anybody. Wow. I said, well, you know, you thought my hug was good. Uh, her hug is even better. You should hug her. And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched this person completely transform in front of my very eyes at the very end of the meeting. And I saw him become different. And, uh, before he left, he stood in the door, doorway and he said, Marshall, I apologize for attacking you. He said, I realize I resent you. I resent your happiness. I resent your success. I resent your positive attitude. He said, you made me realize there was nothing I was going to do that was going to impact your world in a negative way. True. True. You don't know what impact you'll have and you don't know how long your friends are going to be here. So be kind today. Hey, I want to talk to you studiomoney.info forward slash live guests. Get on the air. You might win 10 ounces of pure silver. You might also win $10,500 worth of cash for the secret word. Um, 
Greg, you are live and on the air. Welcome home. Hey, Marshall, how are you doing? I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. I I, I, I miss him already. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from New Jersey. Cool, man. Where Where are you? What are you in your house? Yeah, I'm in an office. Fantastic. What do you do? I do uh, IT, IT work. I've got a great friend of mine in New Jersey that does IT work. Oh, very cool. So what's your question? So I wanted to ask you about your movie Trans. Yes. How do you have a copy of that movie? I bought it. You know, just like you say in this movie, I wanted it. And I made the call. I called your company, even though it wasn't on the website. And uh, I said, do you guys have any copies of this? I'll pay whatever it is. And you did. And you sent it over. This is about three years ago. And very nicely, you also, whoever was in charge, I don't know if it was you, threw this in as well, which is really cool, I thought. This little uh, USB flash drive. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that. I thought that was pretty cool. But this movie is so awesome. And uh, I just have a few questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. So, did this? Did you ever get to screen this movie? We never screened it. What happened was COVID hit. That that's not true. That's not true. We screened it once in a theater, and I showed it three times at my live events. Always had a lot of fun. But then COVID hit. Right now, I am seeking uh, down in Southern California, San Diego County area. We are looking for a new building, around thirty to fifty thousand square feet to put our brand new studio in. And the intention is that Tranced, the movie that hypnotizes you, will be shown on Friday and Saturday nights, kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't know if you've ever been to Rocky Horror. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to Rocky Horror Picture Show. People go, everybody dresses up and they throw toast and they throw rice. My vision for Tranced is that you'll go see Tranced. The movie will be up on the main screen and there'll be two side screens on either side of the main screen, and there'll be two people roaming the audience with mobile cameras. So that while you're watching the movie and it's hypnotizing you, the cameras will show people in the audience on the two side screens that are also getting hypnotized so that they can enjoy the experience as well. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I really hope that becomes a reality. Now, in the in the times that you were able to screen it, did the did you get a good reaction from the audience? Did they, oh, yeah. were they like, did it work? Because it looks like Always. it would work. Yeah, always. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then the, the point of the, the movie was always hypnosis changed my life and and getting hypnotized transformed my whole world. I remember I got hypnotized at 16 years old and the hypnotist gave me a suggestion. He was at my school. He said when he said the words, sunny boy, I would stand up from my seat in the audience. I'd walk back to the stage. I'd fall on my own butt. I'd roll my pant legs up above my own knees. I'd climb on his lap. I'd put my thumb in my mouth and I'd say, sing it again, daddy. And I remember, Greg, going back to my seat in the audience thinking, there's no way in the world I'm going to do this. Not going to happen. I'm going to embarrass myself in front of the whole school. And so I go back to my seat in the audience and he says, sonny boy, and I feel like a magnet is pulling me back. And I'm walking back to the stage and I'm thinking, I don't have to do this, but I fall on my butt and I climb on his lap and I do it anyway. And then I went home that night and I was thinking, was I actually hypnotized? Or was I just doing what he told me to do? And I realized, well, what if he had told you, Marshall, to be confident? And you just became confident. What if he told you to be happy every day and you just said, okay, I'm going to be happy then? What if he told you to go out and be a multimillionaire? And because he said it, 
I believed it to be true and went out and became a multimillionaire. I realized that if that's hypnosis, which it is, then it's the most powerful force on the planet. My desire for the movie is to give a whole lot of people that life-shifting experience of understanding what's going on in their head is their life, not impacts their life. What goes on in our head is our life. Again, um, you know, I, I dealt with two dichotomies yesterday, and I apologize that, that my weep fest was right before your call, but I was dealing with two dichotomies yesterday. I've got on one hand, somebody who's alive, who doesn't want to be here, who just is so exhausted and so frustrated and so sad. And I get it. I understand. I've been there. Then I got someone on the other hand who at the moment that, that I find out about their death, I saw photos of them. And I told my wife when I saw the images coming back from uh, French Polynesia, I've never seen him this happy. He looks so happy. It's choice. It's a choice. What's your question? Well, I just, you know, wanted to ask you a little bit about the movie. And, and how long did you film for? What was the experience on set? You had some really uh, top-tier actors. The director himself was, was a high-end uh, director. Um, what was the set like? I, I don't want to take up too much time, but I'm just so oh. curious. I love this movie. I've watched it a bunch of times. I've fallen completely in love with it, and I really hope you get to stream this because everybody needs to see this thing. Well, dude, I love you for that. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. It was a labor of love. The movie had a $2 million budget. And I uh, produced it. Like I said, we, we got it done just prior to COVID, was about to release it when all this stuff came up. But the, uh, the movie took 11 days of filming. And then it, we took a long time in editing. Um, yes, we had uh, Meshach Taylor was the taxi driver. Josie Davis played Annie Bodie. And there's a lot of subtleties yeah. in the movie that, that not everybody recognizes. The reason, do you understand the reason her name is Annie Bodie? No. Because Annie Bodie can be hypnotized. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, and so inside the movie, I, I like writing like that. I like leaving little Easter eggs for people that they sit back and they go, oh, I never thought of that. That makes sense. And yep. inside the movie, there's a whole bunch of those Easter eggs. I also put a, a suggestion in there um, where she's obviously being uh berated by her, her boss, who's horrible to her. But the scene where he becomes a cockroach, the whole point of that was twofold. Number one, to help people understand that they can overcome their phobias and that they overcome their phobias by experiencing them fully because that which we experience fully vanishes. But the second part of that is, you know, she's got this boss that's horrible to her. And it's the exact example I was just talking about. This guy is absolutely hard and all she is is kind. She keeps coming back to him with kindness and eventually she kills him with kindness because love always prevails. It always does. Sometimes it takes a lot. Sometimes people suffer, yet it always prevails. And so there's a lot of subtlety in that movie and I'm very proud of it. The movie, uh, we, we, uh, when I was writing the character that I portrayed, Sterling Wins, I was trying to figure out where would Sterling live. And the house that that's filmed in, the place where the majority of the hypnosis takes place, was built for the Sultan of Brunei. And it's up in the Hollywood Hills in Hollywood, 25,000 square foot home, absolutely gorgeous. Um, but that's where we, we filmed the majority of that. And then the small parts of it up and around L.A. The Skeptic's Diner, the, the diner itself was really cool, too. Where was that shot? So there's this little place. And what's fun for me is there's this little place outside of L.A. in the middle of nowhere that has this diner. 
and it's not a real diner anymore. It's only used as a movie set. It gets used a lot. So my wife and I will be watching any number of movies and all of a sudden I'll go, oh, that's the diner. Oh, that's the trailer park on the backside of the diner that they use for that particular scene. So it's a little place uh, in up in L.A., northeast of L.A. And uh, like I said, if you watch carefully, you'll see this particular location in a lot of movies. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And I do love all the Easter eggs in there. And I, I do love a, at one point there's a number, like a 1-800 number. And I call the number because I always do that on when TV shows do that. And it's never, even years later, it's never there. It still goes to Certainty Inc. And I was like, this is awesome. And um, I'm sorry, I don't want to take up too much time. I know this isn't the normal kind of talk that you have on, on your show. But I do want to mention a few quotes from the movie that I thought were really powerful. And I think this movie, as much as um, as much as, uh, and it's not a gimmick, but as much as, you know, there's a goal of trying to hypnotize the audience and everything, there's some really good messages in here. Um, and one of my favorite quotes was, judging anyone or anything by appearance alone takes away your power. And you have so many quotes like that that are just like so great. And they, they really, they really mean a lot to me. So I just wanted to thank you for this movie. Yeah, well, dude, you just made my day. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, you just made my day. I'm going to remember you for a long time. And I pray I, I'd like you to win the silver today. So that's my vote. Because, because again, you. you just you you just did exactly what I was talking about, Greg. You, you took time out of your day. You didn't really have a question. All you wanted to do was make my life better. And it's Absolutely. people like you. It's people like you that make the world a better place. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I was having a challenging day. I wasn't sure how I was going to deal with it. And you just brought me a boatload of joy. I'm very grateful to you. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's that's amazing to hear. And your movie and your creativity have done so much for me. So appreciate it. Well, I'm looking forward I, to seeing you soon. You have two free tickets to Turning Point. I would love to have you come out sooner than later. We got one coming up in March and then we're back uh, in Vegas in May. So you are my guest. Please come join me. Bring a guest of yours. And I look forward to transforming your life even more. All right. Thank you. You bet. Take care, my friend. Well, how cool is that? How nice is that? Somebody just doing what they need to do to, to be kind. StudioMoney.info forward slash live guest. That's all you got to do to get on the air with me. So as I said, you know, I, I was talking about this concept of last time you do something. You don't really know. You know, I look back on, on my last margarita. I remember the margarita. I remember it because it was late at night and my family was just getting home. And by the time they got home, I, I was pretty buzzed. My knee was in massive pain, which is why I didn't go out with them that night. I stayed home because my knee was in such bad shape. And then uh, when they came home, I just realized this is stupid. This is not a way to heal your knee. This isn't working anymore. And I just said, I'm done. And a lot of people that I've told I didn't drink anymore, I've said, oh yeah, the first couple of months are really hard. Bradley Cooper, when he was asked in the interview I watched right before I came on the air, the interviewer said, oh, that's so hard. And he said, no, not at all. It's beautiful because there's a point where we don't force ourselves to do anything. In fact, bottom line is there's no such thing as willpower. The question you got to ask yourself when you want transformation is that who do I need to become? Who do I need to become so that this action isn't forced, that this action is natural? If I was indeed the best husband in the world, I wouldn't wait for my wife to apologize. I wouldn't need to be right. I'd rather be happy. I see we've got uh, affiliate income girl mentioning that the movie, yeah, yes, it's a movie that we had not yet released. It is up my sleeve, fully produced. In fact, we've already started working on its sequel. We're very excited about that. 
one of the things I want to also point out to Affiliate Income Girl is something that not a lot of people know about this show and that this show is a revenue stream for some people. And what the revenue stream is, if you refer people to the show that I then invite to Turning Point or then decide to come to Turning Point because they heard me talk about it, when they come to Turning Point, if they buy Turning Point and you referred them, you make a 30% commission. If they go to Turning Point and they got free tickets from me, but you referred them to the show and then they got tickets from me, you're still coded to them, which means you get 30% of anything they buy at Turning Point. May not seem like a lot. My average sales at Turning Point are better than $10,000 per person. So what's that mean? If you referred somebody to Turning Point and my average sales are a minimum of 10,000 a person, 30% is three grand. That means you could be making $3,000 per person you send to this broadcast that then goes to Turning Point. Not difficult, pretty simple. All you got to do is refer people to the show. Their lives will be better. My life will be better and everybody will win. Uh, we have Ryan Stewart online. I uh, wanted to ask about his business. Ryan, welcome to the show. Uh, there we go. Hi, Marshall. Hey, How you Ryan, doing? Welcome home. Hey, it's good I'm to be always home. awesome. I'm well, always awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. Where, where, man. where, where are you calling in from? Uh, me, I'm actually uh, calling from New York. Very cool. And yeah. what are you working on today? So I'm, I'm a content creator. I'm kind of a, an all-purpose uh, entrepreneur. I mean, I, I, it's kind of, I get embarrassed when I talk about it because I'm like 43 and I still haven't figured out what I want to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> I've done everything from sales to, um, I mean, multiple small like businesses, everything from being a, uh, you know, just like an, uh, like an internet flipper, if you will. I've done the garage sale and thing, you know, I've, I've, I've followed the Gary V. I mean, it's like literally the you know, garage sales, bro, garage sales, you know, it's just been kind of my thing. And, um, you know, it, it kind of turned into where I'm, I'm starting to do some content creation and, you know, produce some podcasts and things like that. But I keep finding myself in situations where, um, you know, I follow advice that I hear, which is to build a team and find a, find partner with people and collab. And every time I've done that, it has gotten me to a point where, um, I feel like I'm in positions where, um, those, none of those things feel like partnerships. They end up feeling more like. I, everything I have now I'm running two businesses, not just one anymore. I'm the one who's always in, in, you know, in the lab doing the work while they're on the golf course. And it's been really a struggle and it's really messed with me emotionally and mentally to like find that motivation to just cut the cords and be able to just do this stuff all on my own. Like I used to always have success and I don't know where that shift happened where I became so needy and clingy that I needed partners. I needed other people. Um, how, how do you break that mindset? How do you reprogram yourself to get back to what used to work? Um, and why does it seem so impossible? Good questions. First and foremost, uh, yes, I would recommend you don't have partners. Yeah, I would recommend you don't have partners. I know it feels overwhelming at times. My experience has been that, that again, I think I'm a good partner. I also realize that Sometimes uh, not everybody else has the same work ethic that I have. And, and, and I don't have the same work ethic somebody else might have in a particular given area. I'm not one that likes to get on the phone and pound the phones on a regular basis. People that do that have a specific skill set. And, and I have massive admiration for people that are able to and willing to do that. 
Uh, I also know, though, that the same people that might be willing to pound the phones and get that job done may not want complete insecurity as far as their income is concerned. Meaning, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, nobody guarantees me a living. I, as you know, if you're watching the show at all, I'm losing money every single day doing this broadcast and I won't stop. Right. When I, when we uh, launched this, I told my wife said, you know, what if, what if you don't start seeing numbers right away? I said, we're going to give it three months. And at the end of three months, whatever we got, then we'll deal with it. If it didn't work, then it didn't work. Then I got great content. I had a lot of fun. And we changed some lives. I said, but you cannot expect things to pay off right away. That said, the other side of the coin is this. A lot of times people come together in partnerships and they're both desperate. They're both in need of making money instantaneously. And they're both, they're both, uh, you know, really almost desperate. And, and so because they're both desperate, they're both trying to survive. It's not a really good place for either party. So what I tell people is you want to eat chicken while hunting elephants. And what I mean by that is you want to find something that can be a cash cow, even if it's not a major cash cow, something that can provide a little bit of revenue, but it's consistent, it's predictable, it's, it's you know you're eating is I guess what I'm saying. And so when you do that, and then finally, you know, with, with me, I had to acknowledge I'm not a good partner. It's me, I'm the one that's not a good partner. And I'm not a good partner because I expect everybody to work as hard as I do and they don't. And then when they don't, I get pissed off. And so what I would recommend for you is that you, number one, don't need a partner anymore. Just say, you know what? I, I just, I don't need a partner. I don't want a partner. And if you don't want a partner, then, then you do it yourself. But then the other side of the coin is if I don't have a partner, I'm 100% responsible for my outcomes. And, you know, that's part of the benefit of having a partner is, oh, we are working on this together versus I'm all by myself. No, it's me. 100% me. Yeah. Uh, again, again, my whole thing is I'd rather it was me and I'd rather be responsible and I'd rather reap the benefits. What do you, what do you think, uh, Ryan, right now, what do you think is the biggest thing you need to learn, the biggest skill you need to cultivate? I mean, full to be the fully, fully, fully transparent, I, I probably just need to get my confidence back. Um, yep. I mean, and, and it seems so unrelated, but, um, and I, I tell this story all the time to people because, I mean, I, I have found one of the best ways to heal is you just be open and honest about your journey and you never know who's going to speak life into it, um, you know, instead of trying to be all brave and I got it. It's like, oh, but for me, I would say that I, I literally had like a Midas touch from like, I, I, you know, because I, I lost everything back around like 2012. I mean, car repossessed getting kicked out of an apartment, have no money and built myself up to a point where, you know, I mean, I was paying cash for everything. I had three cars. I mean, everything was like, whoa. And I figured out that it was me. I had this confidence. If I really, I have the skill set, I can do this. So going into COVID, I was like on top of the world. Everything I was doing was just working. It was just, I mean, what can stop me? And my mom got diagnosed with lung cancer and I didn't have the greatest relationships with her around then, but I swooped in like the hero because I can do anything and we can beat cancer together and quarterbacked her entire cancer journey. And that was the first time in my life I feel like I did everything right and lost. And I don't think I've ever recovered from that. And it yeah. is shook it. That has shook literally everything in my life since. 
And I, I, I have moments where I'm like, I'm back. And then something, the littlest thing could happen. And I'm right back to like, I don't even want to play the game. You know, I ho- I don't know how much sense that that makes, but it's, it, I, I think for me, I, I just need to get that confidence back that, A, it's okay to lose the game. <laughs> but that was the first time in my life I did everything right and still lost. And that was really tough to swallow. And, then, and I think that the biggest challenge for you is your frame. Your biggest challenge is you lost. No, your mom died. You didn't lose. Your mom died and you miss her. My mom died in 2013 and I miss her. That doesn't mean I lost the game. and It doesn't mean that she lost. And, you know, this morning I was sitting in the spa and I was contemplating my friend Dean who passed yesterday. And I was thinking about him and I was having a conversation with him. And there's I'm absolutely certain his spirit was with me because he and I were extremely close. And and again, we saw we were there for each other in tough times. And I believe that, that that's the biggest shift that you can make is not think that any of these setbacks or any of these occurrences were losses of any kind. Um, you sound like a guy. Are you married? Um, about to know. So that would tell me that you're married, but the marriage is about to wrap up. Is that true? Yeah, it's looking that way. Okay. It's cool. You know, again, I, I didn't want a divorce. I didn't want to be divorced twice. And I fought for my second marriage for four years. In retrospect, I realize that I'm glad I fought for it. I also am very glad that it didn't, I didn't succeed. I'm extremely glad that my ex didn't want to come back because now I look at my life and all I can think is, what was I thinking? Yeah. You know, I, my mom passed in 2013 and, and I had already met Erica, my wife. And so my mom got to not only meet the love of my life, finally, she also got to meet two of her three grandchildren from my family. And uh, again, my mom, I know, is happy with the man that I've become. So did you love your mother? Very much. Uh, did she comp- love you? In her, it, it, as best as she was capable, yeah. Yeah, well, that's mom's. You know, I have, I have 11, I have 10 siblings, 11 kids in my family. Mm-hmm. I took care of my mother 100% financially for the last 20 years of her life. And I was not her favorite child. Yeah. And it used to bug me. It used to bug me to no end that I wasn't her favorite child. I'm going, I'm the only one that takes complete and total financial care of you. Why am yeah, I not what, your favorite child? What brought a lot of healing in that, that, that just after it was crazy. Cause my mom never really talked about her upbringing much. And I didn't find out until after she passed that Like she never knew her birth mother. That was such news to me. Um, she was, her dad was a very toxic narcissist. She grew up in a very, very abusive household and I didn't know any of it. And it, you know, I mean, growing up, you got all this childhood trauma and all these moments that you remember. It's like, why did that happen? Now it made sense. And the forgiveness that was able to come from that and go look like, you know, yeah, my mom's responsible for a lot of the things that she would do and say in my life. But at the same time, it's like, I have, I have a, a remorse, like, dang, if, if, if I'd only known, maybe we could have approached this differently. You know, if you kind of, if you can understand the, and it's just much like you talked about a gentleman at that meeting. It's like when you recognize the source of where, what you're seeing and experiencing is coming from, you could either sometimes fix it or at least make sense of it and not feel like it's me. It's my fault that they're that way, you know? And, yeah, and uh, then so also, yeah. also to acknowledge that some things are not fixable and that's just the way they are. You know, my that's, mom, again, is a good example. She was an amazing human being. And I wasn't her favorite and everybody, all the other kids, all the kids know who her favorite kids were. 
And even the favorites knew they were the they were her favorites. Although mom would say, oh, I don't have a favorite. She would act differently. My mom's favorites were underdogs. We were always underdogs growing up. So my mother always had a soft spot for underdogs. The challenge is I was never an underdog in my family. I was always, especially when my career took off, a patriarch. And I was the, the one that took care of everybody. And my mom simply didn't think I needed it. She said, no, you can take care of yourself. I remember I had a brother that I had a challenge with and my mom just said, well, you know, just give him the car. I had sold the car and he hadn't been making payments. My mom said, just give him the car. And I said, mom, why would I do that? She said, because you've got lots of cars, just give him the car. And that's how her mind worked. And so Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, in one of his last interviews ever, not, not that you remind me of Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer in one of, uh, his uh, last interviews, he said, uh, he was asked, you know, if we let you out, if you had a chance to get out of prison, if you got a you know, chance to be paroled, what do you think would happen? He'd say, oh, I'd, I'd eat, eat people. I'd kill people. It's what I do. And, and again, some, sometimes we don't like someone's nature, but we have to accept their nature because it's their nature and it's, they're allowed to live their lives however they want. My father and I never had a good relationship. I'd call him on the phone. First words out of him, his mouth were, you little SOB. Why are you calling me? Last words out of his mouth, you little MF or don't ever call me again. Every single time for 30 years. And then one day I get a call at my office. It's my dad. He says, Marshall, I saw your infomercial. Wanted to tell you I'm proud of you. First time my father ever called me in my lifetime. I'm proud of you and I'd like to come visit you. I love you, son. I've been a really bad dad. Holy cow. Where did this prompting come from? I'm thinking, yeah, dad, I'd love to see you. I'll send you a ticket. I sent him a ticket and he died before he could use the ticket. And, and again, you know, some people would say, oh, that's so bad. No, it's so good because the alternative was he never called me. The alternative was we never connected. And as far as I'm concerned, my father and I, we connected right before he died. And, yeah. and again, you know, I, I, I go back to this thing because we're talking about it. The video that I watched of the guy, you know, saying, you know, if you yell at your kids before they go to bed, you're the voice ringing in their dreams. You yell at their kids, your kids before they go to school. You're the voice that they carry with them all day long that makes them think they're a piece of crap. And, and I, you know, I, I thought about that. I was thinking, you know, am I being a good parent to my children? Am I filling them up adequately? Am I being a good husband? Am I reminding my wife uh, every single day she's the best decision I ever made? Am I being a good friend to you, to my listeners, to the people, you know, that are, that are watching this broadcast. Am I reminding you on a regular basis so that when you leave this broadcast, which is my desire that everybody that leaves the broadcast, leaves the broadcast, walks away, walks into their life and says, you know what? Yeah, I'm a good human being. I deserve goodness because what's going to happen is we tend to be attracted to people that we are like back to the question of partners and the person that you were when you formed the partnership may not be the person you became after the partnership was formed, meaning when, when the rubber hit the road, you got to work and they didn't. But that yeah. was who they were every time the rubber hits the road. Every time the rubber hits the road, they go golfing. Every yeah, I time. A, yeah. I had a therapist tell me that, you know, that uh, like people are mirrors of the, the, like the people that you build relationships with often are mirrors of you. And me, I'm a fixer. So I tend to, a lot of my relationships with people usually tend to me showing up to fix things or add knowledge and value to their lives. And I end up going so hard trying to fix things and realizing that like, 
you know, if that, if what she said is true, that, you know, people are mirrors of you, I'm actually trying, something in me wants to fix me. <laughs> um, but instead it's just that, that person is somehow this version of me that I see myself and I can, I can fix that. That's easier, you know? So I know that that's definitely been a challenge uh, to kind of get past. And, you know, as far as the business stuff, it's just been like, you know, I find myself just getting overwhelmed with things I that I can capable. I'm, it seems like the easy things are what I get the most overwhelmed uh, with. It's like what I don't get overwhelmed is when something seems out of my league. This is too hard to do, but I'm like all in and I'll get it and do it at a high level. Um, but the easy things that I know that I can do, I just seem to not have this weird, this weird sense of like overwhelmness that comes, if that's even a word that comes when I'm going to try to take care of those things or, or pursue those things that I know will work, that I know will, 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 you know, keep uh, feeding the beast, if you will, keep the machine going. And I don't know how to reframe, just truly reframe that in my own mind on a daily basis. So that's, you know, I guess, I, you- the crux of why I'm here. I use the analogy of, of a cup half filled with poison all the time. And that if you try to drink the glass half filled with poison, you'll die. It's poison. If I pour water into the glass and I fill the glass up, now it's half poison, half water. If I drink it, it's still the same poison. I'm going to die. At the very least, I'll get sick. That is for sure. But if I keep pouring water into the glass, it starts to overflow. It starts to dilute. And if I keep pouring enough water into the glass, it completely dilutes all the poison out and it's pure drinking water. Your challenge is that you have lived an extended period of your life with poison being poured into your life, not purity, not good stuff, all bad stuff. And because all that poison has been poured in, then when you go to live your life, you're just filled with poison. And so how do we stop getting filled with poison? We pay attention to the three major contributors to what's going on in our head. The people we hang out with, our friends, our family. I have family members that I love dearly and I'd love to spend time with them. I have family members that I love dearly and I don't want to spend one moment with their current self. I don't like their current self. And again, I don't, I don't beat myself up because I don't like them. I just say, no, they're my, 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 they're my relative. I love them. I don't want to be with them. That's all. I love them and. So that's first. Second thing, you got to really pay attention to what you're consuming online, including this show. You know, if if anything in this show is toxic to you, and I pray it's not, I certainly I can't imagine it would be. If if somebody was extremely woke and left and and you know uh, confused, yeah, I'm sure they hate me because I tell the truth, and and I'm not going to pretend somebody is a, a woman just because they want me to pretend they're a woman. I'm going to say no. If you want me to pretend you're a woman, I'll pretend you're a woman. But I'm not going to acknowledge you're a woman when you got a penis between your legs. It doesn't work that way. And I don't need to, you know, step into their neuroses to make their life better. What I need to do is assist them and love them and say, look, whatever you want to call yourself, I'm cool with that. You just need to know yeah. I don't buy into it. Right. And then the final thing you've got to pay attention to, not just the people you hang out with, family members, friends, the social media you consume. You want to pay attention to your entertainment. What do I mean by that? not just social media. You want to pay attention to the songs you listen to, to the movies you watch, to the books that you read, because they all will add up and make you the person that you are. And if you don't do that, guess what? You're screwed. So you're loved. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to get one more call in before we wrap up the day. Uh, Make sure you keep listening. You just may have won. Uh, 
10 ounces of pure Marshall silver silver. So God bless you. Take care. Hey, I want to chat with Renee, Renee Cudlich. Uh, uh, last call of the day. We're going to get one in quick before we wrap up. Coming up to the top of the hour. If you're brand new to the show and you don't know what we do here every single day, for the first hour, I give you life-changing content. Great guests like we had today with Dylan. Um, and then in the second part of the show, I start taking your calls at studiomoney.info forward slash live guests. And every single day I put cash up for grabs. If you don't win the cash, I add 500 bucks to it the next day. So today's cash, $10,500, says my back scratcher. Uh, if nobody wins it today, yeah, tomorrow, $11,000. Somebody's going to win it. Somebody's going to win it. Maybe today. Maybe Renee. Welcome home. Hi, Marshall. Hello there. How are you? I am always awesome. I How just want to, I, I'm, well, I'm about to tell you. So I just want to tell you, first of all, and I hope I don't lose it, but you have been such an instrumental part of my life. I have always been an ostrich with my head in the sand. You know my life. Yes. I was very open and transparent with you. It brings me to your current situation with Dean. Like how you impacted him. Like if you didn't impact him, oh my God, his life would have been horrible, horrible I'm thinking you know, overweight, whatever, whatever he was going through. But because you impacted his life, he died such a happy person based on the pictures that you saw or the conversations you've had. So I just want you to just like bask in that, like just realize that, oh my gosh, I made his last 10 years or however long you've been friends, wonderful. And it, it brings me back to myself, like, I came home in um, at Halloween. I was in Vegas, I came home to Hawaii at Halloween and I came home to my house being flooded. So my house flooded, I didn't know what to do. I was on a time frame. I had to get to inner circle. I dried up the house as best as we could with this, the help of you know, the, the services that are out there. Got to inner circle, tried to, you know, tried to give it my all. And I became that ostrich that took my head out of the sand. Yes. If, if I didn't go or meet you or go to inner circle turning point or like twice or three times, I thought, I think I would have lost it. I mean, I'm living in one room. My belongings are all in this one room. I mean, I've been sleeping on the floor since December 1st when I came back to Hawaii to deal with the loss. And, you know, it's to me and, and listening to Dylan, it's like, it's just a moment in time. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to figure it out. But there was moments that I thought, gosh, when life throws you a lemon, like, how do you continue to make that lemonade? You know, and I just like, it, the best person for me to ask is you because I show up every day. I want to be present to win. I learn something new every day. And I just, but there's still, you know, like I want more feedback particular to my situation. How, how do you like, like today, like how do you move on with, with such grief and frustration in life and, and just keep continuing to make that lemonade? Thank you. 
I love you so much. You are just this incredible spirit. And I, I would agree with you, Renee. I've watched you blossom. The woman that I met in Salt Lake City is not the same woman uh, that came to Turning Point. And the woman at Turning Point is not the same woman that came through Inner Circle and not the woman I'm looking at today. So I wanted to compliment you. You're blossoming. You're magic. And it's beautiful to see because the world needs you. I need you. The world needs you. The other thing that, you know, thank you so much for your, your condolences about Dean. You know, I, I think about Dean and, and again, we don't know as human beings necessarily what's on the other side. I am positive. My amazing friend blessed so many lives and I agree. And thank you that, that, you know, in whatever way, I certainly pray that, that I was a large portion of his life, which I know I was because he certainly was a, a substantial portion and impact on my life. And so, again, that's the thing that I keep coming back to is that we don't get to choose what happens to us. You don't get to choose whether or not your house is flooded. It, it flooded. You know, all those poor people in Maui that are getting screwed over by the government right now that are yeah. literally being absolutely robbed, stolen from. And I think I think that's what's going on in Maui is I believe I believe their houses were burned down intentionally. And I believe yeah. that's in I well, you're not. I think you believe the same thing. I do. And I believe that it's a land play by certain movers and shakers, frankly, some in the media, you know, and again, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but certainly uh, people that I respect, at least used to respect uh, Oprah and Rock, you know, for them to come on and do what they did immediately after all the, the tragedy and the loss of houses was unacceptable. And, and so I, you know, they can't, they can't do anything right now with what's going on because their world's in somebody else's hands. Whenever my world's in someone else's hands, even if the hands are God, the first thing that I say is the most powerful thing I can do right now is to surrender. And when you surrender, surrender doesn't mean you give up and you admit defeat. Surrender is the first step toward Satori, being in the present moment. Okay, uh, the majority of my house is flooded. What do I do? Well, the living room's not flooded. I'm going to have to live in the living room right now because it's the only dry place in my home. And while not happy and certainly not, you know, singing the praises of sleeping on the floor in the living room, you have a living room and you have a roof and you, you have food today and you have somebody near you that loves you. And, and again, when I'm in hell, the easiest way out of hell is to find one thing perfect in our life because there's nothing perfect in hell. So if we can find one thing that's perfect, one thing we wouldn't change one iota, then we'll start finding one more thing and then one more thing and then one more thing. So as I wrap up today's show, I would like you to know you are the perfection in my life. You are the thing that makes my life better. You are my reason for joyfully getting out of bed, celebrating my life and remembering the reason I do all this stuff. So Renee, I love you. Thank you for being on the show. I, I will see and you I at Turning Point and First Million. And, uh, and yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you next week at First Million. Yes. Yes. Awesome. God bless. I love people. I love you. Hey, uh, 227.24, cash was up for grabs. I talked about a lot while we were talking uh, to Dylan about people that are in marketing being, what was the words that I used to describe? Uh, I said they are questionable. They are suspect. They are suspicious. They are disputable. And the secret word of the day. Oh, before I do that, by the way, we had three callers today. We had Greg, we had Ryan, we had Renee. 
You vote for who was the most interesting call. You vote for the call that engaged your interest the most. And uh, you put it in the chat who you want to vote for. Just put it in the chat. And whoever gets the most votes in the chat, where you are, my team will go by, check it out, and you'll be rewarded on tomorrow's show with 10 ounces of pure silver. Today's secret word of the day that could have won you $10,500 since nobody got it tomorrow. It'll be 11 grand flat. I like that. What was the secret word of the day? It was a word that means questionable, disputable, uh, problematical, suspicious, doubtful, debatable, suspect, dubious, dubious. So. If you didn't win the cash today, it's up for grabs tomorrow. Somebody is going to win it. I'd like it to be you. I'm Marshall Silver. You are totally loved. This wraps up one more edition, edition number 12 of Marshall Silver Live. We're here live every day, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. Pacific till noon. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Until we see each other, you don't know how much time you get with somebody else. Make sure you're telling the people you care about you love them. Make sure you tell total strangers you love them as well. Have an awesome day. If you want to learn how to win, Bradley, tune into the show earlier tomorrow. We'll give you all the details. For now, I'm Marshall Silver. If you are waiting to get on the air and you did not get on, uh, you'll be first up tomorrow, so make sure you get here early. God bless. Bye for now.